Hello and welcome to another episode of My Perspective, Stories of Recovery Experiences. My name is Malcolm Choate. Working as an allied health professional has its challenges. It also has its privileges. As a health professional, we are privileged to have the opportunity of meeting people like my guest today and hearing their life story. My guest today is Ryan Medley, and Ryan has very graciously allowed us the opportunity of hearing from him firsthand the story of his recovery experience. I hope that by the end of this story, you will be touched and inspired by it. Ryan, welcome to My Perspective, Stories of Recovery Experiences. Uh, thanks very much, Malcolm. What was your experience growing up? Yeah, I was born and bred in Dubbo. Uh, it's a nice little country town. Very fond of the place. Sport's a big factor in your lifestyle out here. And yeah, had a pretty good upbringing. Two brothers and a sister. My parents are hard workers. Uh, supported us quite well and pretty tight-knit community. A lot of people know each other. You hit sort of about the age 18 when you start to finish school and you either hang around and do an apprenticeship or, or find a find a job here or you you push on to to get out of, to the bigger metropolitan areas to chase sort of higher academic things out at university or well, for me personally I I finished school and um yeah sort of chased the wanted to achieve a few things in in my particular sport I made a few underage teams in that cricket uh, in particular and wanted to sort of go to Sydney and try my luck down there and see if I can push further and, and make it a bit of a profession. I moved from Dubbo to um, Maroubra. Uh, I started university at uh, UNSW, studying construction management. And, um, yeah, and I, I played cricket down there and at, at the first grade level. Yeah, trying to chase chase goals for higher honours of that. I guess you put an 18-year-old male from Dubbo who enjoys a good time in the middle of the eastern suburbs and, Yes, sure enough, I enjoyed it. Um, found the found found Sydney life really, yeah, for lack of a better word, enjoyable. And you know, I drank a little bit too much. I partied a little bit too much, and um, I managed to sort of poke along through my university. And and yeah, over a few years, I found myself um, probably down an avenue I wouldn't enjoy. I found that my social life and had sort of changed into a position of you know it was really coming at the detriment of um things i wanted to achieve uh study wise work wise and and cricket wise so i sort of found myself by the time about 23 23 and a half um needed to have a bit of a change i was yeah failing at university i was sort of um cricket had sort of fell by the way wayside and um yeah i sort of found my recreational habits were becoming sort of weekly habits and lifestyle habits, which was no was certainly not a path I wanted to go down. So I um, had the shift to move back home to Dubbo after five and a half, six years in in Sydney. Upon coming home, I, uh, I sort of got back into the field of work that I'd I'd done in Sydney. All the work was I'd sort of either uh, worked as a landscape, um, concrete, or project management, and enjoyed all three. Uh, admittedly, parts of all three I enjoyed thoroughly. Uh, when I come back to Dubbo, I was stuck with the concrete side of things. So, so you work hard, you make good money, and you know if you use your brain as well, you can 
you can pick up a lot of work and I had a lot of contacts out here. So I sort of set myself up and yeah, created a business for myself, concreting after a couple of years and push forward in that. Uh, enjoy. And I enjoy that. I enjoy that trade. I've got my qualifications in that trade and yeah, sort of pushed hard and sort of found my feet again and met my um, now wife as well, which also changed my trajectory a bit. Yeah. Found my feet again and, bought a block of land and started building a house. Moving forward, I, I trucked hard, I worked big hours, uh, chased, big, chased contracts and my sort of workforce sort of changed from anywhere from three to eight people depending on the workload. And Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I found myself from the years of sort of 23 to sort of 28 just knuckling down, focusing on my business, uh, focusing on getting ahead. In that period, I sort of built built a home, bought a block of land, built a home. I got married, started find a bit of a platform to sort of making my my life a bit bit solid, which I needed at that point. Sort of about twenty eight or twenty seven, I sort of found myself like most things I do. I sort of found myself in head first, and I found myself sort of working seventy hour weeks, eighty hour weeks. That wasn't sustainable, so I pushed pushed a bit of a shift to, you know, find ways to to turn my mind off from work and get a bit more balanced. So I, I got back into sport, which I hadn't done for quite some time and sort of tried to get a healthy balance in life. So it sounds like, Ryan, you, well, firstly, you had quite a rich life and lots of activities. There was a lot going on over those years. You found that you needed to make a change in your life because of the reasons that you've already explained and you made that change. You were married, you were working hard, you were playing hard, you got back into sport. And everything seemed to be on an even keel and moving forward. And then something happened. What was that? June the 4th, 2017. Uh, I can remember the week weekend sort of pretty vividly. I'd worked the day before, I pulled a put a shed slab for a mate. Yeah, that day was sort of the middle of winter when you pour concrete sort of generally goes a bit longer so I was sort of it was a bit of a 12-hour day I had a couple of beers after it and poked on home and my sister actually had her hens night the night before and so all my family were all the um, female side of my family were all like that and so I'd sort of had a pretty easy night and went home and got up on the Sunday uh, loaded a truck for like a normally Sundays I used to organize all my gear for, for the week moving ahead loaded a truck and a couple of trailers and getting ready for the week ahead for work. Yeah, jumped in the car and drive down to Wellington to play, yeah, play a game of football against, uh, for Sims. Turned up and, yeah, got ready to play and got on the field and been on the field for about 20 minutes and just a regulation hit up. Yeah, I can remember it sort of clear as day and I just sort of just took a regulation hit up and, got tackled and when um, when I got tackled I sort of sort of put my head in an awkward position you know, on on the tackler's chest in front of me and another tackler from the side and we sort of just got ourselves twisted in a spot where I sort of compressed in between them and yeah I felt a I heard a click and I felt a large click and I think from there I, I can't quite remember what happened I, I blacked out for a little bit and then I remember being face down on the ground and and someone had twisted me. I couldn't move anything. Uh, and then 
the guys on the ground sort of flipped me over and sort of cleared my airway and kept me quite still. And when we're looking up, sort of seeing the seeing daylight, seeing the sky, and and knowing something pretty significant had happened. The two tacklers, all the tacklers, and there was no malice in the tackles. I'd put my head in the wrong spot, and yeah, it was as simple as that, really. But the one guy that one of the tacklers, I could, I could hear you sort of say, "Oh, you know, get up, play the ball," and just you know, your, your general football chat, and I remember saying to him that, "Yeah, mate, I'm not going to be able to get up, and I don't know why." So I sort of laid on the ground and, and sort of took a little bit to come to, and once I'd um. I didn't know what I'd done, but I subconsciously knew I couldn't move my body. And at that point, I could only, I could move my head, but I couldn't move my shoulders or my arms. And I felt like uh, I felt like um, when you when you see people do yoga and they put their feet in the air um, and they sort of twist up and sort of throw their feet up to the sky. For some reason, that's what my body felt like, even though I knew it was laying dead flat. Um, I don't know why. I just kept saying to everyone, can you put my feet back on the ground, like put my feet down? And they said, your feet are down. And it sort of took a little while to sort of figure out that. And then I had, I was quite, oh, well, for lack of a better word, fortunate. I had some good support on the ground and they called the air ambulance straight away. And within sort of, 25 minutes to 30 minutes of being on the ground well we sort of had a bit of a you know we had an ambulance on on hand and the air ambulance on their way and people were supporting my head and yeah my brother was there he was holding he was sort of holding my arms and holding my hand and you know obviously at that point I was pretty uh I was calm but 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 very nervous underneath I made a few phone calls. I rang my wife, I rang my mum, and I rang my best mate from the ground and just sort of told them that I'd had a serious accident. And that um I'm okay. I can I can talk. I can yeah, I can I can certainly like I think I'll be okay. From there they sort of flew me to Sydney. It was instantly a life-changing moment, and you sort of know that, but you don't. Yeah, it's 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 weird. You you don't fully grasp the concept of it, and in some ways, that's not a bad thing. Because I was only saying the other day that if I knew what I was, I had coming ahead, I'd I don't think I would be that calm, and I don't think I would be that yeah sort of naive was bliss a little bit at that point. So yeah, they flew me to Sydney. Um, upon arriving there, I, it's all happening pretty well. When they're telling you to stay calm and to just control your breathing because you. When you like, I hurt myself at a C four, C five level in your in your vertebrae, which is quite high. They sort of warned me that the risk of not being able to breathe on your own was could eventuate, which um, eventually did. I got to Sydney and they'd stabilised me. I went into hospital. They'd done the surgery, straightened my um, vertebrae back up, uh, and I'd severed my spine at an incomplete level which gave me no motor function from my shoulders down, but feeling, not temperature or, or pain, but, but touch sensation. And then post-surgery, I'd come to, and I was breathing from my diaphragm, 
marine and costals and extracostals had sort of given away at that point, which is basically your lungs. And then eventually my my diaphragm gave way as well. That prevented me from breathing on my own. And that was a bit of a unique, it was a really unique feeling I put down um, during my recovery that, that that moment was quite significant because at that point when my lungs had collapsed, essentially, I'd lost the ability to breathe on my own. And that period, fear, like you get a lot of fear uh, because when you sort of can't breathe on your own or when you start to lose the ability to do that, it feels like someone's put cloud wrap over your, over your mouth and your nose, put a pinprick in it and made you sort of suck as much air out of that as you can. And eventually you pass out, which in this case I passed out and went into a coma for a, a day. Uh, you don't really know. When you're in a coma, you obviously don't know time. So... They sort of told me that I was in a coma for a day and then post-coma, I'd woken up and when I'd woken up, I'd, I'd pretty much I was on a ventilator, couldn't move my arms and laying in a bed. And yeah, she dawns on you as to the situation you sort of got yourself into. In total, for how long were you either in hospital or in rehabilitation? My rehab went, it goes from different levels. So I was in ICU for six weeks. And that period's probably the, the probably the most difficult uh, from a recovery point of view. Parts of it pretty full on and but you know, and I'll explain further, I suppose, once I've talked through my full recovery. But at the start, it doesn't get any worse than day one. Being in a well, waking up from a coma and being uh, on a ventilator, unable to communicate through voice. And I'm unable to breathe on your own and uh, not being able to move your arms at that point. Uh, just you really, yeah, you're pretty pretty debilitating. And the way you, you, you've got a gown on at that point, you're bedridden for the whole six weeks of ICU. And during that period, you sort of, they put, yeah, for without using the technical terminology, they put pipes up places that you didn't think existed. You're stark naked underneath a, um, a gown and um, you're pretty much at your most vulnerable and you have no control over your vows, your bowels, you have no control over your, your pee and you've got really no control over your body. And that, that ICU is pretty eye-opening for me and, and I think for most people that have a similar injury or similar accident that period is um yeah at the time you're sort of just going day by day and a part of what gets you through is you think to your mind you know I'm, i could be one of those people that are going to make a recovery you know i'll walk out of this place and and you know and it'll be a blot and a, it'll just be a tough moment in life but um you know and you generally believe that at that point and the doctors and the nurses they they tell you what they what they what they can and like any spinal injury that's all different but yeah it takes a while to dawn as to where you're at but yeah a little bit of optimism at that point didn't hurt in the way it, it got you to wake up every morning thinking what's well, going to get better and to a degree it does a lot so yeah that was that was unique the icu I, during icu i've become what had happened was in your spinal cord just due to the injury i'd had compression as well as a sever 
um, and that compression of your spinal cord had prevented me from breathing on my own and prevented me from using my arms as such. And then over time, as that compression sort of went down, which sort of sort of took four to six weeks, I got the ability to breathe on my own again back, um, and I and I got the movement of my arms back. And just to paint a picture, people at home like. Where I'm at now is I can move my arms. I don't have the best triceps. I can use my wrists and I don't have dexterity in my fingers. But uh, my arms are reasonably strong and I get around in a wheelchair that's assisted by power. But it's a manual wheelchair with power assist. So at that point in time, in that recovery, I couldn't move my arms. Um, that's something that was built up over time. And from there, you go from ICU to level seven at Royal North Shore, at that point, you, you're starting to regain your breathing, you're starting to talk again, um, and you're starting to move your arms again. And, yeah, it's the next transition. It's called the acute stage of your – it's called acute rehabilitation. I spent about three months there. That was a bit daunting at, at times, but it was also, yeah, it's the next process. It wasn't as – you got your dignity back. You weren't you weren't as vulnerable by that point. You sort of yeah, you're closed. You're yeah, you're up every morning. You had breakfast. You sort of just started to get a little bit of a routine back. That that was a bit easier. But it was certainly nice to get out of ICU. After you left level seven, where did you go to from there? You go from level seven. You go to ride rehab, which at each stage um, you're getting less and less assistance. So. Well, you're also recovering as well and you're rehabbing. So level seven, I was there for three months and then ride, I think I was about seven months in total. At level seven, you're learning to balance again. You're learning to sit up again. You're learning to do weights. You're learning to eat again. You're learning to, yeah, you're sort of just finding a bit of a pattern and you start to learn your body and what you can and can't do. Why ride rehab? You're starting to learn how to get in and out of a car and get in and out of bed, and building up your strength and you're starting to paint a bit of a picture of what life's going to be like. Or At that point, it, it sort of, it, for me personally, it, it dawned on me about six months into my recovery that I'm not going to be the walk out the, the, walk out the door and, and back to normal life, which is a, Oh, at the point, it's a bit of a, that's a tough pill to take at that point. But it, it yeah, it, it dawns on you personally because you figure it out, you know, and then there's no, like in my, for me personally, I could only figure it out myself. And that was about halfway through ride is when I realized like, okay, um, I could be wheelchair bound until there's a, until there's a, alter, you know, until there's a cure or a, uh, or, or, um, yeah, uh, a way of improving that's medically sort of done. Um, I'd realised that okay, I'm going to be chair bound, and um, I'm going to have to make the best of this situation. Yeah, I was pretty angry at that point, uh, and it took me a bit to to figure it out. And uh, yeah, what well, that was probably that was probably another tough moment. What I found is when I figured that out, I, I wasn't really a very good person to be around. And, I've made it very difficult for my support network around me to sort of, yeah, adjust and sort of throughout the whole process of of, of rehabilitation at these points, you're 
your family and your support network. And I've got a big group of mates and a big, you know, I've got my wife and I've got my, my family and I've got a big community in Dubbo that sort of supported me fairly significantly and propped you up. But yeah, yeah, going through the waves of your rehab for that period was pretty tough. And I found that if I was, if my mood was down then portrayed on everyone else around me and that was hard that was hard to see that was hard to sort of fathom yeah sort of slowly I realized that I don't want a sympathy vote I just um because that that helps no one yeah I sort of found that if I could get my mood up and if I could get my if I could be positive um that that reflected on everyone around me and it also helped help me personally as well to, to realize but yeah, you have to have your downers a bit too to to know that you know it dawns on you a bit. But yeah, that that was pretty heavily important for me. That's that was a bit of a turning point for me was knowing that if I could get if I could be positive and I could get myself up each day and and, and try to push forward, I, f- I found that that was that also helped everyone around me, and in turn just enjoying day to day. What were the sorts of things that you were doing that helped you regain that positive outlook? And also, what were the sorts of things that others around you were doing that helped you in that way? Yeah, I found uh, routine. I found that finding a bit of a routine. By once I'd sort of hit ride rehab, I'd found that if if I could get a routine into my day, that that helped and. For me, it took about an hour and 15 to get from from bed to bowel care, showering, dressed and in your chair and ready for the day. I was quite fortunate. I got along quite well with the nursing and I got along quite well with a lot of the staff throughout. I tried to be as easy, you know, light maintenance on them as I could. So quite often I'd say, look, if, if, if you could get us up early and uh, I can get on with my day and so I'd get up, uh, I'd roll outside, I'd sort of catch a bit of the sun, read the papers, sort of get get that in my routine. And then normally my wife and my dad would turn up, we'd have a chat, just general idle chit-chat. I'd get into, and then get into rehab, uh, which was physio. That goes for about an hour and a half, two hours uh, in the morning. And then I'd sort of treat it like my job. I'd get in there, do my job, get into work. Uh, once I'm finished there, you know, have lunch and then do the afternoon physio. That was at two o'clock, do the afternoon session, jump into that. That'd be, you know, sort of get back into work, get yourself, yeah, build as strong as you can and get as good as you can. And then the routine and then the afternoon, give yourself the arvo off and, you know, hang out with you. Catching up, like in the afternoons, I catch up with people that come and visit. And I had a lot of visitors, which was really lucky. I couldn't imagine during doing it during COVID uh, with the lack of visitors. I know that, yeah, catching up with good support in the afternoon was vital for your for your uh, positive outlook and your mental health. And then, then yeah, wake up the next day and do that again and build and build, um, and then just do that for the week. And then obviously Saturday, Sundays you'd have you didn't have the physio, so I'd have a lot more visitors and catch up with a lot of people on the weekends and yeah, just slowly build build to a to a bit of a routine or a daily routine or a weekly routine that yeah helped you sort of oh lack of a better word get you get yourself back 
in in the yeah the community or society or back into a, a way of life that you could handle. Yes, it sounds like it was fairly simple things that were helping you alongside, of course, the clinical treatment that you were receiving from the physiotherapists and no doubt other clinicians. It was things like a routine. It was things like enjoying simple pleasures like sitting in the sun, reading the newspaper. It was things like having social connections and maintaining those social connections, having those chats as you've described them. Very, very simple. Yeah. My routine isn't a great deal different now. I, I wake up, get up in the morning, get ready. It only takes sort of half an hour now, like to be prepared for the day. Um, and then that's me. That's the toilet and the shower and teeth, brush teeth, dressed. It takes about half an hour and then I'm in my chair. And then I kick back, I have a coffee, uh, read the papers, and then, um, and then I get to work. So, yeah, and that... It's sort of just a way to start your day that it makes you, yeah, just a bit of a routine to sort of go, okay. And then once I've sort of finished reading the papers and that, I'm on with my day, I'm on with my job, I get on with work. Yeah. So, and it, I still, like, I do that daily. Yeah. So, can we talk about the way things are for you today? Whereabouts are you living? And what are you doing? I, yeah, I'm back home in Dubbo, post sort of rehab. I, I, got, I got back home. Settling in at home was eye opener uh, because you sort of you're not you're not used to or in Sydney and during your rehab it's it's you've been like the places that you were there you you're not foreign like they're foreign to you because you're not you you've never been to them places on your feet you've never sort of seen what they're like and you just don't know any different but when I got home I'd sort of moved it back into my own home and and yeah. The way you see the world is just completely different. And it dawns on you how different it is because you know what it was like prior. You know, I got home and uh, walked in, you know, I rolled into my house and I know what the day-to-day life is like in my home, you know. And day-to-day life prior to injure myself was, yeah, you know, you walk in the door, you jump on the couch, throw the TV on, or you jump up, grab something out of the fridge, do all your daily, you know, you need to go to the toilet, you stand up, do a pee, you want to have a shower, you have a shower, you want to scoot down the shops, you scoot down the shops and, or you jump in bed because you're tired and, you know, all those things are just, that's not how it is now. And when I got home, that all dawned on you that your world has gotten a lot smaller and you are chair bound and it is a lot different. And that hit me hard uh, and that hit my family hard, you know, obviously because it, it took a while to adjust and, and sort of to get to your point of where I've got to now I was, once I'd adjusted to, to life and, and the, the way I did that was when I got home, I, I engaged in um, to continue my rehab and to continue recovering and, and hit up the gym and sort of an opportunity come about to, to create a rehab centre in, in Dubbo and me and a business partner who, who was a, an EP, so, so similar to physio and an exercise physiologist sort of just uh, continues with your chronic continues sort of working with you full-time uh, managing and hoping to get that you know and just get pushing the best out of your rehab and keeping you out of hospital too which is helpful so we created a space called on the move and a big part of that was a big therapy like it was the therapy and that was basically getting back into the workforce creating a space and now I'm sort of just through my journey I'd understand 
what sort of we required as a as an area for people similar to myself or had suffered sort of chronic injuries were born with them as well. We created a gym environment that well, that that suited uh, both chair and disability. So that was the big part of that was that helped me sort of get back into the workforce and help me and my wife find our feet and yeah and have an income too we, we needed to get back in the workforce i didn't want to be i didn't want to be bound by the dsp uh, which is disability sport pension i didn't want to do that i didn't feel like that was beneficial uh, for me both mentally and 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 life-wise so ryan one of the services that we have at the better health generation is a service called back to work which is a service that assists job seekers looking for work to overcome barriers and to find employment. How important is that concept of employment, do you think? Oh, yeah, huge. You know, I, sometimes your work can define a bit about who you are and what, you, what you're about. Here's an example of, you know, prior to injury, I was quite a fit, reasonably strong individual that, you know, pride myself on being a concreter and, you know, I like my job and, and give you a lot of confidence uh, and they give you a lot of, give yourself a, a way where you're painting yourself and getting back into the workforce and having meaningful work. And probably the, the trick is, well, not the trick, but the advantage of meaningful work is it's, it gives you something you pride yourself on uh, and something where you, for your recovery, you, you realise that, you know, you can be contribute to 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 an organisation, and that, and you can you can be a valued member of the community and pay your tax and and be and, and make your business, yeah, add to add to an organisation. So in your in the circumstance you guys are, but the back to work, I know that a lot of guys would would feel, and that's why I harp on the meaningful side of things is throw someone a job is is, is sort of it's easy to do that, but to find someone a job that a they can bring something to the table and b it's vice versa it's a two-way street you you the person can uh you know give you give that business a added advantage and and vice versa you get you know a, a lot of us are defined by about what we do and and if you're good at what you do and you enjoy it it's yeah it it, it gets you out of bed for me like to get back into the workforce is is, is exactly what that's done. It's, it, it's, it's made me get out of bed each day and it's given you goals and things you want to achieve. And, and, and yeah, I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't put a price on the therapy that getting back into the workforce has done for me, that, that's for sure. Ryan, if you think about a clinician who helped you the most, what was different about their approach? Yeah, for me, um, I think it was a bit of a multiple of clinicians bit of a bits and pieces of everyone i struggled a little bit with um psychiatrist style and having a and having a set time and a set place and a set organized moment i guess to i guess to share you where you were mentally and physically uh, i found it a bit difficult in that in that environment so i, I sort of probably more lean on physios in terms of yeah explaining where you where you're mental mind was at and also I, I probably land on friends and family for that for that part 
when your mood was down and someone said, oh, you know, what's up? How are you? Felt like that was the right time to sort of explain where you, where you were mentally. And a lot of times when you're training and you're sort of subconsciously doing something else, uh, it felt easier to express where you were mentally rather than sort of just face-to-face with someone. I, I, that was just me personally. I struggled. Uh, and, I, and I sort of found that if I was in that environment where I was one-on-one, I tightened up and didn't really say much. I just sort of I, I just sometimes found that it was a bit too formal where the informal sort of style worked a lot better for, for me personally and it felt as if you were not as invasive. If you could think of someone, whether it was a psychiatrist, perhaps a psychologist, or indeed any other type of clinician who was working in that formal environment, meeting with you at a set time, what do you think they could have done that was different that would make it more likely that you would open up, that you would share things? What could they do that was different to make that process easier for you and more beneficial for you? Yeah, I think, I think if it was a little maybe informal, I suppose, like if it was say catching up in a in a public place maybe whether it be like a cafe or or something where that where that where you could build that rapport like a just a natural rapport and I suppose that goes for anyone you know when you you always feel a bit more comfortable you know deal, dealing with things and and explaining your mindset when when you sort of can trust each other yeah, I guess from a from a personal point of view outside of the the sort of clinical environment was always more beneficial for me in that regard because you could yeah you just felt like yeah you, you, you just could get that rapport between each other a, a lot easier and get to know get to know sort of who you who you who you're chatting with a lot more that's what um no i know that's not it for everyone but definitely the informal um and getting to know people was was a big thing for for especially in, in that period so we know that there are many definitions of recovery. How would you define recovery? What does it mean or look like to you? Yeah, your mindset changes and your recovery changes and your goals change a lot. I know early doors uh, in my experience was that a lot of people would say and celebrate the small achievements. Um, at the time, I sort of thought that that was... Um, yeah, not being optimistic enough, I guess. But um, I suppose over time and 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 realize like realizing where you're at and realizing your capabilities and what you can and can't achieve and what you can and can't do, your recovery and your, I guess your concept of it changes as you change too. So yeah, it's a t- it's a tough one. That's a tough question. In the you now, if you ask me on day two, what what would I what would I expect to be recovering? Well, you know, I'd have full ambitions to be back on my feet and back to where I was. But, you know, time and understanding the injury and learning about it, that um, that soon changes, becomes a bit more realistic and you start to understand that what's a big, significant goal and when you achieve it, and those goals, that they change, they change as you, I guess, learn about what, what's occurred to you. So what does it look like for you now? I feel like last couple of years I've plateaued in terms of like physically, just the general nature of this injury. You know, you, you can get some good massive increases early and then over time they slowly the spinal cord stops giving you back your movement. Now at the moment, I, I think it's just more 
more achievable goals in what you can do. Like I sort of feel like physically I've, I've plateaued and now it's more about just sort of learning and manipulating ways to, yeah, to get the best out of what you're doing. And that, that, that can be just through technology. That can be through natural strength. That can be through weight loss. Like, but in terms of like neurologically or, or physically, like I, I feel like my spinal cord's giving me back as much muscle movement as, as I can and sort of been like that for two years. And what about emotionally? Um, yeah, emotionally, I think uh, that's pretty, feel pretty headstrong. Uh, and that's taken a lot. That's taken a lot to get to that point. A lot of things ease my mind post injury was uh, a big concern was whether I'd be able to put a roof over my family's head. And what I mean by that is, you know, being able to work and contribute like I sort of envisioned previously i can do that now and i know i can do that um that's that's made me a lot headstrong in also prior to my injury i, I wanted to be a, a dad and i wanted to be a you know a good husband and a good father and i wanted to have the opportunities for those and um i've been able to i'm better at both post injury funny enough i wouldn't have thought that would occur but um i've been able to conceive naturally with my wife and have a have a little boy sonny and that's yeah that was something that i was at one point wasn't sure it was going to be a reality um that sort of made me pretty happy and and given me a lot of happiness and yeah i think i'm a i'm also from a from a partner point of view yeah i'm a, I'm a lot more understanding and and i'm a lot more aware of the people around me and yeah generally quite strong in that regard and i've been able to to achieve those things, which put me in a good place. I'm very content and very happy. And yeah, I've got, I've got goals and I still want to achieve a lot of things and they're all possible, which just takes a bit of time to get the confidence to know that you can. It sounds like you've mentally as well as physically adjusted really, really well to your situation, to your circumstances. And it's interesting listening to you talk about concepts like like hope and also gratitude. Yeah. Is that what you're a, talking about? Yeah. Yeah. I think when I say hope, I sort of more optimistic about what what can come ahead. Gratitude, I suppose, you know, that it gives you a good perspective when you have a quite a life-changing moment. You sort of you learn to figure out what's a real stress and what what was sort of sometimes a false stress i guess like i sometimes think about the things that kept me up at night uh in the past and, and bit laugh at myself now to think that that was that was what concerned me at the time but it is what it is and you <clears throat> at the time that's that seems like a concern and then you know sort of post sort of yeah so sort of once you sort of go through through an accident like this and you you, you sort of realize what what sort of should keep you up at night and what does stress you out and what doesn't. Yeah, I guess that's one thing that you, you get. You get a good gauge of gratitude and perspective. I sort of feel like they go hand in hand. Um, and I suppose you don't know that until you're at a point where you think that you might might not, life doesn't exactly give you exactly what you've aimed at or it's mapped out exactly how you would have wanted it to. But I suppose when they get taken away from you at some point and you you change your whole mindset, which, which is a good thing. And you can do two things. Like I know with personally at sometimes, like I've, I've thought to myself that I miss standing up to go to the toilet. I miss standing up having a shower and 
miss kicking a ball. I miss hanging out with my mates. I miss all the convenient things. But in saying that, if you dwell on that, then you sort of sort of have a negative sort of persona. And 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 whilst people can accept that you can be negative, that I, I couldn't imagine people wanting to hang around with you if you weren't if you didn't have a good positive energy and you weren't trying to achieve things. And that's what I've found. People sort of are generally attracted to you when you're trying to do positive outcomes and you're trying to move forward and, you know, and you, and you just generally care. That sort of goes a long way. And then, as you said before, that also helps yourself. Like we touched on before with the workplace thing, like when you go to work and people, people rely on you to do your role and rely on you to do a specific job. And when you achieve that, then it gives you the gratitude to know that, yeah, you know, someone's counting on you to do something. And that's exactly... You know, that's exactly what work did for me was it, it made people sort of forget about looking at you as, you know, as someone with an injury. They're more like, no, no, we've got goals and milestones and achievements to, to meet to make sure that, you know, A, the project or B, the business or C, the, you know, the job gets done basically and then you're accountable and so you should be. Yeah. So from your experience, what advice can you give to a clinician if they wanted to be more recovery focused and if they wanted to be more helpful towards people such as yourself? Yeah, I think, um, I think from a clinician's point of view is, and, and this, it's a, I suppose it's that they create a bit of an oxymoron sort of situation sometimes with, um, and, and I get that from a um, organization point of view where you sort of, people don't want to get too, has to be that line between being a clinician and that rapport. But I suppose in recovery, you deal a lot with care and you deal a lot with people in vulnerable positions and you deal a lot with um, situations that you can't exactly draw that line to say that, you know, you can't have a rapport as such with, with your participant or client uh, from a clinician point of view. And, and I know it's a great one, that, but I've always found the, the people that the clinicians I've dealt best with are the ones that you build up a rapport and a trust and you're sort of both on the same wavelength, so to speak. You know, you, you want to achieve goals and you, you get along, you know, there's a bit of empathy. There's also, there's, there's also motivation in, in pushing forward to achieve what, what you're trying to achieve from that clinician, whether that be, you know, whether you're seeing a psychiatrist in order to, to get yourself in a better place of mind, you know, or whether that be, uh, seeing a physio and EP to get your body more to get it stronger or, or whatever it may be. I've always found that that level of or a support worker that's aiding you to get, you know, to get on with your day. Like I've always found that if you, you know, it is a care industry and that part of it is, is, is really important for, for both the client and, you know, for the client to feel comfortable and be to achieve what, what, what we're trying to achieve. That's, that's what I've sort of found and, and some of the big organisations where people are sort of restricted by that agreement that they can't get too close, so to speak, like, uh, is, 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 it makes it a little bit difficult at times. Yeah, but if they can overcome those restrictions, if the, if the clinicians can experience that closeness, it works better. I know that's a hard mix. And I know that in you know some allied health training, it's a it's a difficult one to to do without sort of going against the grain of some things at, at all. But I've, I've always found that it's it's from from a point of view of recovery, it's always been good when when there's that level of empathy and you're both pushing forward to to achieve that goal. Ryan, what are you doing now? 
What does your life look like now? So I, after post setting up the rehabilitation centre with a business partner and EP, um, I'm out of that now from a business perspective. Um, I sold out of that just prior to Christmas, which is good. Uh, it's been so admirable and quite well. I still train there and do my rehabilitation, my physical rehabilitation there, which is which is good and it's enjoyable. And then now I'm, I'm working on, uh, I'm sort of back sort of full-time into project management, uh, qualified construction manager, right through through um, University of New South Wales. And I'm back sort of work, working in the SDA space and, and building uh, disability-specific uh, accommodation uh, in, in with a, in a co-op of, of group. I love it. Uh, design and bring out an advantage in my situation is that I can sort of design and, and help project manage on the, on the side of things where you, where you know the human element as well as, as well as the design criteria. It's good. It, it, it puts you in a position where you, you go, okay, that, that type of design will work, but we think this can work from a human element a little bit better. So it's been, a, it, that, that's been an advantage. And now I love that area. It's a viable area from a business perspective. And it's, um, it's something that's also gets a win-win and, in the fact that you build an accommodation for, for people in like-minded situations. And yeah, and, and yeah, it's pretty satisfying to be able to be back in the construction industry and, and be able to utilize the skills that I'm trying to do. So I'm, I'm loving that area. And that's a pretty, got a bit of a personal passion for it too, which helps. Um, that helps you get out of bed. That, that makes sure you're, you're pretty keen to get out of bed and do, to do your job. So, yeah, no, I'm, I like that area. I don't think I'll be leaving it anytime soon. So that's where I'm at sort of work-wise. And personally, I'm, you know, I live in my home that I had before prior to injury. Got a good, good group of friends. Uh, I've got a great group of friends. And I live in a community that, you know, they really got behind me when I hurt myself and supported me. So I'm very lucky um, to be a part of where I'm at. And, you know, I'm sort of, if, if anything, you know, from a, personal point of view I've, I've found that um when i was injured that you know a lot of people just just did it did a i feel indebted in the fact that they they supported me whether it was through through donating or, or coming and seeing us and 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 just lovely messages stuff like that it you realize how um how good people can be and and honestly i don't a little part of me constantly feels guilty and feels a bit indebted to people for being you know not only great mates and great people but that's that's sort of probably where i'm at at the moment of life and really enjoy it ryan this event on the 4th of june 2017 radically changed and perhaps even transformed your life yeah definitely i think i'd like to know what i knew now prior uh and without the experience but reality is that's never possible but um, I suppose you can't take the the good, you know, the good attributes that have come out of it and the bad attributes, you know. Yeah, I suppose it's hey, you learn a lot. You learn a lot. You 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 grow and and you you certainly get to realise where you can get to mentally. And I feel quite strong mentally, even though physically I'm nowhere near the strength I used to be. I I feel like I'm mentally a hell of a lot stronger now. Uh, uh, I suppose if, you, if 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 it didn't happen, I wouldn't have. I, I probably wouldn't be the person that I am, which I'm comfortable with. I think if I could take it back, I definitely would. I'd love to be on my feet. 
But um, I also can't neglect the fact that it's made me a hell of a lot stronger and it's also improved parts of my life. It's given me opportunities to do things that no case that, that would have never happened prior. Um, and I, I'm grateful for that. So I'm a lot tighter with people and very, you know, I've, I have a lot more respect for my friends, family and people around me. So, you know, just in the fact that I know that they stood by you when, you, when you're doing it tough, then, that, yeah, that, that certainly is, is, a, is a bonus, a positive. How old's Sonny now? Six months. Oh, Six months. Great age, isn't it? Yeah, he's awesome. Yeah, he's pretty good. Sleeps like a little champion, and he's a, he's yeah, he's a smiling little guy. So, been pretty blessed. He sleeps ten hours a night. So, apparently, that's a bit rare. So we sleep ten hours a night too. So it's pretty good. That's great. Yeah, he's a happy little guy. He's only only told me he gets a bit when he's hungry, but we're. We're all a bit like that. Yeah. So. Sounds like he takes after his dad. Yeah, yeah, he's positive. He's positive. Enjoy, eh? Yeah. Yeah. Ryan, thank you so much for spending time with me today and for sharing your story. I think it's absolutely inspirational. No, I appreciate it, man. I appreciate the opportunity. And, um, yeah, yeah, thanks to... Chris Bellingham, he works for you guys. He gave me a call a while back to let me let me know the what you guys were chasing for a podcast, and oh, I appreciate being a part of it. And you know, I hope hopefully that my journey and, and explaining all the, I guess, the inner feelings of what, what was going on during certain parts of my recovery. I, you know, I hope they help people. And, you know, I hope that aids um, clinicians and and people in like-minded situations to to get something out of it. Because I know a lot of I do a lot of do a lot of strength off um, people around me uh, in similar situations. I've, I've found that the ones guys doing it in a positive manner were, were certainly someone to look up to and give you motivation to know you can get back on with your life and and yeah, enjoy it. So again, thanks, Ryan. It has been a real privilege talking with you today. It really, really has. Thank you so much. Not a job, Thank you.